This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network. I'm Roy Juani, and welcome to Betting Weekly, the tennis podcast brought to you in association with Bet Rivers your hometown sports book. Joining me again to talk all things tennis is former world number four and Miami Open tournament director, James Blake. Great to speak with you again, James. And uh, one place to start, I think, Roland Garros, where Novak Djokovic won a record 23rd Grand Slam men's singles title, beating Kasper Ruud in the final. You said he was the man to beat, despite not being in the best of form previously. What did you make of his latest achievement? Yeah, I guess every once in a while I get it right, but I just thought <laughs> it's off. Um, three out of five. I mean, three out of five with Novak. It's so difficult to keep up the level of play needed uh, to win a set, to win two sets. It, it seems possible, but to go three out of five, it just seems so difficult. Um, you know, it was unfortunate. Carlos, um, his kind of body let him down a little bit uh, in the end of that match, but those first two sets were such a high level. It was, it, I, I still think it would have been extremely difficult for Carlos to keep that up for three out of five sets. And I think that's a, a really tough task for anyone um, right now, the way Novak's playing and the last five or 10 years, the way Novak's been playing. And um, I just don't see him stopping at 23 either. I mean, he's going to rewrite the record books, uh, I think a few more times. Uh, and Wimbledon is going to be, he's going to be a huge favorite as he, I, I think he should be. I think he, for the next few years, I just feel the way he moves on grass is so much superior to anyone else that's figured out how to play on grass. So I really like his chances to to get there. And then let's see how he does again with all the pressure on him uh, getting into the U.S. Open, uh, going for the calendar Grand Slam. Uh, obviously, last time he, he tried that, uh, Medvedev had the answer, an unbelievable performance. But I actually think this year Novak's going to have a better opportunity because he's going to he's already been in that position before. Um, the nerves might not be there as much as they were possibly against Medvedev, but getting a little ahead of ourselves. I mean, we should just definitely celebrate the fact that he he played so unbelievably well. Um, pretty pretty uh, you know pretty impressive performance against Casper Ruud in the finals where he just didn't uh, didn't falter at all, even though Casper Ruud came out to a hot start and just then took over after that and. Really incredible. I think we sometimes take for granted how great he is, how great Rafa is, how great Roger uh, was, and you know Novak. We we should appreciate it because you never know. I mean, how quickly it can go downhill when you're 36 years old. But the way he looks in form right now, it doesn't seem like there's any slowing him down. Yeah, we talked about you talked about the calendar Grand Slam there. The last men's calendar Grand Slam was Rod Laver in 1969. So, of course, Federer couldn't do it. Nadal couldn't do it. Djokovic has the chance. Do you think Do you think that would be kind of almost like a fitting, I hate to say end to his career because it, by the sounds of it, he's got, he's got a couple more years left, but that would be the ultimate, wouldn't it? It would. I mean, I think it would be a crowning achievement. Um, I think by the end of his career, we've. I think every, every tennis player, every tennis fan has had a, 
had somebody that's been passionate about, uh, well, Novak's the best of all time. Well, Rafa's the best of all time. Well, Roger's the best of all time. And they keep going back and forth. And um, Andy Roddick, whenever we've talked about it, I think we, he's always said he's been the the voice of reason saying, well, th- it's not done yet. Let's let's wait and see. Let's wait and see how it plays out. And I think as we wait and see, the debate's going to largely go one direction. <laughs> it doesn't seem like he's going <laughs> to leave a lot of room for doubt, whereas you know, right now you could you could try to have some arguments for the others, but it, it's getting more and more difficult for anyone to say the greatest of all time is anyone but Novak Djokovic. Um, and I think if he adds another Wimbledon, if he makes if he adds a calendar Grand Slam, I mean, I think it absolutely quiets it uh, completely. The only thing you can maybe try to argue is Rod Laver could have won a lot more uh, had he been allowed to play uh, as a as a professional, but. Even that, it's it's tough because of the the level of competition it, it has changed so much, and the game has gotten so much better. So, I just think it's going to be a really difficult argument for anyone that wants to try to make it, other than Novak's the greatest of all time. Yeah, I suppose the Federer fans will point to his sort of style and you know his aesthetics, isn't it, with him and and Nadal, obviously, you know, being so dominant in the French, but Djokovic, you can't really argue now, can you? Really, he's got yeah. the most slams. He's going to add yeah. to that almost certainly. It's, it's hard to argue against it, really, isn't it? And the fact that it's been done on every surface. Now, three times, um, at, at the minimum of three times at each slam. Um, granted, the the tour has made it so that those slams are all a lot closer together in um, in speed, as opposed to back when Borg did it, um, going from clay to grass when grass was lightning fast. Um, that may have been a more impressive, you know, feet one time, you know, the, the, the going back to back there than it is nowadays, but still it's, he didn't Borg clearly didn't have the longevity that Novak has had. And the fact that he can do it on, you know, he's done it everywhere. So um, it's really, yeah, it's really even difficult and better. I mean, he changed the game. I think he, he really improved the level so much. He dominated for a good, a good amount of time. Um, and he did it with a style and grace that hadn't been seen before. Both him and Rafa are going to go down as some of the greatest ambassadors of our sport of all time. But um, the actual results, it's just it, it makes it really difficult to argue if you're not uh, if you're not saying Novak's the the greatest because um, he's just putting up more and more numbers that make it that make it too easy to say it's Novak and uh, and he's he's putting distance between him and and the others as well. He is. Let's talk about couple of the guys he beat so Alcaraz and and Kasparud who made the final again but Alcaraz this is this is a worry isn't it I mean he seems to be that level above the rest but below Djokovic perhaps but Djokovic is just just a level above isn't he yeah, which is nothing to be ashamed of because Djokovic is a, is a level above everyone. Um, he really has been for a while now. And um, for Alcaraz, um, there's been a lot of talk of, uh, you know, how great is he going to be? Is he going to be 10 slams, 20 slams? Um, what What is it? What, what's in this career? And it's so I, I think it's still so early to say. Look, I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's going to be one of the. He's going to be a, a great, great player, multiple Grand Slam winner, but. Um, to put the kind of pressure on him that he he needs to to be successful, he needs to get to twenty slams or something like that. I think it's so much pressure on a twenty year old because you see what can happen. You know, bodies can break down. Um, we're so lucky and fortunate to be able to see three of the greatest of all time that also kept their bodies uh, healthy for for most of their careers, uh, aside from a few 
um, injuries, you know, Rafa's facing a lot now lately as he gets into his about 20th year on tour, it's to be expected, but these guys have done uh, amazing work without having those huge gaps in their career where they're out for major surgeries. Um, you know, Roger towards the end of his career as well, but in their younger years, they were all um, pretty darn healthy and able to compete at the highest level for a long time for Carlos. He's already had some injury issues um, and been out um, for, you know, little chunks of time. And now seeing the cramping pop up, it happened in Miami, it happened in, in the French and, that's something that hopefully he can get figured out, um, whether that's nerves or that's physical. Um, that's you know, only their team will know that. Um, but if, if there is a way to figure that out, you know, that can make a big difference. I know Novak had some issues early in his career as well with uh, with endurance. So obviously he figured that out <laughs> and um, has excelled in the endurance uh, situation. So um, hopefully for Carlos's sake, he can figure out exactly what's going wrong. Um, and is there a solution, um, whether it be um, some sort of a drink, some sort of, uh, you know, a deficiency in his diet, whatever it is, um, and figuring that out so that he can play those, those longer matches and, and not worry about cramping. Absolutely. Um, moving on to the women's and Igis Fiontek was pushed all the way by Karolina Mukova in the final, but she won her third French Open title in four years. Mm -hmm. I found myself thinking she wasn't quite at her best during the tournament, which I know sounds a bit ridiculous, but because yeah. she won most of her matches fairly comfortably. But mm -hmm. do you think she can dominate the women's like Rafa Nadal did on, on, on the men's in, in Roland Garros? That's putting a lot of pressure on to dominate the way Rafa did. 14, <laughs> 14 at one slam, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever going to do that, but she's got, I think what you said is really important. She didn't play her best and she still won. And that's something that tells me she is one of the greats because um, if you can, you can not play your best and win a, a first round or a second round or, you know, that's, you know, that that's to be expected. A lot of the, the greats needed to do that sometimes early in, in slams, but um, to not play your best um, and still the entire tournament really and get to get through i mean not the entire tournament but at the end of the tournament that's when you're usually the, the greats are usually playing their absolute best and and dominant and have rounded into form she didn't maybe play her best and i wonder if nerves played a little part in it but overall to still win and beat uh muhova who didn't have um anything to lose really it was going out there playing absolutely incredible tennis inspired tennis on the finals um and still win that match it tells me she can dominate for a while. Um, I'm not going to say she's going to dominate the way Rafa did because what he's done is is historic and incredible and may never be matched. Um, but I think she can win plenty more French Opens. I think she can win on other surfaces. I think the, the grass courts are still a little bit confounding for her. Um, so that's going to be tougher. That may be a big task uh, to, or a big ask for her to win, especially against some of the, the real big hitters um, on the women's tour that I think maybe are going to be the favorites. Uh, going into Wimbledon, the Rybakinas, the Sabalenkas. Um, so I think that's going to be tough. Um, but other surfaces, she's proven she can win at U.S. Open. Um, and the French, I think she's going to be, she's going to be the favorite for, I think, for quite a few years. Uh, but there is, there's, there's no way to put the pressure on her to even expect anyone to, to get 14. So I, I'm not going to put that on her. <laughs> okay, and fair enough. <laughs> um, now, podcast followers will know I love, Carolina Mukova's game. Mm. I, I backed her for Roland Garros. I've already backed her for Wimbledon as well. She's had such a rough time with injuries, but she really showed what a good player she is in Paris. Yeah. Do you think she's got what it takes to win a slam? I do. I think she has it. Um, 
I think partly because I see why you like her game, but it's got a huge upside and it's got that ability to, to have a, a great day, um, a great few days. And she obviously put some great ones together to get to the final and then had her chances in the final. Um, and I think that's going to give her experience to know that she can do it, some confidence. And like you said, she's had some horrible injuries. So getting back to that level after the injuries, I think is a huge, huge bonus for her. I think this is, to me, this may be quicker than she would have even expected to be back to this level. Um, so I think that just buoys your confidence so much because you maybe think, okay, it's going to be a process. It's going to take a little while. I'm going to keep getting better and better. And eventually I'll have my chances of doing really well uh, in a slam. And to already do that after coming back from injury, I think makes a big difference. And now she's going to say, okay, well, I clearly can do it. Now it's the time to take it one step further. Um it's tough right now because there are so many great players on the women's side, but with the parity, with the fact that um, Sviantek has dominated the last year, year and a half, maybe, but before that, it was so open in all of these slams. I think it gives confidence to a lot of the players that don't have a slam or have gotten close to slams or now have maybe one slam um, that they have the ability. They can do it. Um, it's not that era of Serena and the rest of the field. It's an era of Sviantek, but you feel like you can, she may be vulnerable on grass. You know, you may be able to have a great day and beat her on hard as well. The play is going to be more of a challenge, but Mohova proved that she can hang with her on her best surface. So now you go on to her least, her less, uh, you know, dominant surfaces on the grass and on the hard. So Mohova can feel like I can go in there and I can beat anyone in the world. And um, so I like her chances to, to do it one day. Um, I'm not saying she's going to be a, um, a number one in the world, maybe not, or, 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 or dominant, but I think she's got the opportunity to win a, a slam. Maybe, maybe it could be at Wimbledon. I mean, she beat Sabalenka in, well, I, I thought that was a match of the tournament on the winning yeah. side. It was a fantastic semi-final. I mean, Sabalenka, I thought, you know, this was obviously her best showing at Roland Garros by, by some distance. And I yeah. thought she played very well in that semi-final, but, but ended up losing. Yelena Rybakina, she pulled out, sadly, through illness uh, before the last 16. So obviously both of those, they'll be happier on faster courts. Do you think those two are probably a bit above the rest at Wimbledon? I mean, you've got Mukhova, you've got Beatrice Haddad-Meyer, who made the semis in the French. You've got mm. Onjabur, who made the final last year. So could be quite open, but maybe Rybakina and Sabalenka just a bit above the rest? Yeah, I'm going to take those two for sure as as the favorites. And then then it does still open up. I think it's Wimbledon more so than the French Open, I think, is is an event kind of like uh, the women's events have been before Sviantec started dominating, where it's wide open, where I think there's 10, 10 women that could win it maybe. Um, but yeah, I'm going to put uh, Rabakina and Sabalenka as the, the two favorites. And then you've got, yeah, you've got Sviantec still. I mean, you can't totally counter out um even though it's not her favorite surface um the confidence she'll be riding after winning the french open um yeah Anj Jabor having success uh last year muhova um hadad maya yeah you've got plenty that have a chance um so i, I think it's been fun jess bagula i mean she hasn't loved grass but she still seems to always be in the round of 16 or quarters and then maybe making a run coco golf i think it's going to be a little bit more of a struggle with the the forehand grip um, people can really press it uh, quickly and get it through the court a little quicker on the grass to that forehand. But she does have a huge serve. She she kind of had her breakout, her first breakout at Wimbledon. So maybe it brings back, gives her confidence. Um, and then I think this year, the the feel-good story, which will be a ton of fun to watch. I don't uh, count her as a contender, really, as Venus coming back. Maybe 
maybe her last slam, maybe her last last tournament ever, but uh, one of the most celebrated champions in Wimbledon history. So it'll be it'll be a lot of fun to see, and um, and you know probably pretty special and emotional to see her there. Yeah, I watched Venus yesterday, and she was close to closing it out in the second set against the the young Swiss Celine Nayef, but. The body just wasn't quite able, was it? I mean, she forty two. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, she's still going. I'm amazed because I'm 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 forty three, and I know how my body feels. And she's out there competing with teenagers, uh, and I hit every once in a while. I'll hit with a teenager, and I just laugh because after <laughs> after playing for about forty five minutes, I'm like, all right, I'm good. I hope you got another practice today because that's about all I can do. Um, but these kids are um, and they're they're good, and you know, for for uh, that teenager, I think it's a, a pretty cool and special moment for her to to have a win over Venus Williams, one of the greatest champions we've had in our generation. So. Um, and it's amazing for Venus to still put in the time and energy and, and effort on the practice court to to get out there and, and be able to keep her body healthy to be playing at 42 years old. Really impressive. Yeah, looking forward to seeing her, as you say, maybe a swan song at, at SW19. Yeah. Off the court at Roland Garros, we sort of touched on this before in Madrid, but there were plenty of murmurings about the scheduling. There weren't a whole lot of women's matches on on at night uh, on the center court court philippe chatrier yeah. I, I guess it's a bit difficult when you have like siontek saying she doesn't like playing at night i mean yeah as a tournament director yourself you know if if, if siontek says that to you do you kind of just say okay well, we'll work with that or do you just do you think she should almost take one for the team because you know this her okay. playing at night surely helps the profile of the women's game doesn't it it does. Um, you know, she's the big draw there. She's the the, the champion, the, the defending champion. So you would want her to play at night. Um, I think that'd be a tough one. You kind of you, you got to gauge, and that's that's the the decision making of a tournament director. And you got a, a female tournament director there, Anomaly Moresmo, who would you would think would be passionate about um, really selling the women's game as well. I think what you would maybe ask is, look, we'll do everything we can to to make your request to take care of your requests. But if you in return can maybe play an early round match late, you know, one of those night matches uh, just one time, if we can ask like, Hey, one, we, we really would love to sell this and talk, you know, maybe talk it up early, get some ticket sales early and put you in there. I would like to see it, but if she's if she comes back and says adamantly, absolutely not. I do not want to play. It will wreck my, my preparation. I really don't want to do it it's tough to to put them in that position. It's tough to put your, your number one seed, um, your defending champion in a position where they're, they're really not happy with the way things are going when it's under your control. It's it's different when you've got a schedule that's already set and this is the way it's got to be, you know, you, the quarters, you know, on this side always play at this time or has to play at this time or the semis like that's different, but when it's early rounds and you can do a little moving around and shifting of the schedule, you definitely want to to do what you can to keep them happy um and keep the competitive fairness um but if if it's for the if you're looking at the bigger picture and it's better for the women's game you want to maybe try to push them and say hey this is this is the reason and that's the difference where i think you know amelie moresmo has it as well as one of the greatest champions uh, in in french tennis uh, for the women's side and a wta player a, a hall of famer 
she can go and say, look, I know, I get it. It's not fun playing at night. I play plenty of U.S. Open night matches and, you know, I understand, but hey, we would really think about this uh, in a bigger picture that this uh, that this can make a difference. And that's where I would think Iga would have the respect uh, of Amelie to say, okay, you know, how important is this to you? And, and do you think um, this really is going to push the needle or move the needle um, the way you're talking about? And if, if that's the, that answer is yes, I would love to see it because you're right. The scheduling got a lot of talk and I wish it wasn't a controversy. I wish there was a lot more just talking about the tennis um, and hopefully, but it's been a little different just in general with the the night matches, the night sessions at, uh, at Roland Garros because they're just one match. And um, it's just so it's different than some of the other, than the, like the U S open or Australian open night sessions. So um, I don't know. I don't know if they, I, like I said, I've said this plenty of times before. I love trial and error. I love trying things out as long as you, uh, are able to and and uh, able to adapt after a couple of years, and I don't know. Maybe they they get rid of the night session altogether at, at the French Open because it doesn't seem like it's been the, um, the profit they're making off of it or or loss or whatever it's doing. But um, it seems like the fans aren't don't have the same um, love for that the way the U.S. Open night sessions are going, or even the Miami Open night sessions are. Or, things like or, or other event, Australian open night sessions. So I don't know, maybe they, they kind of revamp it. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, it sounds like she wasn't the only one who didn't want to play at night. So it just, it does make things. things uh, that, and that makes me uh, very uh, compassionate for Amelie Moresmo because I've had a lot of, a lot of people in my office saying, I don't want to play at night in the, in the Miami open as well. So I, I know how that goes. And um, that's why at the end of the tournament, you definitely don't have, uh, 128 best friends. They're, they're <laughs> some of them not, not your, not your biggest fan by the end of it. Going back to, well, the men's side, because the grass court season and for the women, of course, as well, but the grass court season is already upon us and Wimbledon starts in I think it's less than three weeks, which is a very quick turnaround. Um, yeah. last year's beaten finalist, Nick Kyrgios returned from injury yesterday in Stuttgart, went down in straight sets to China's Wibbing Yu. Um, I don't know if you saw any of it, but surely it's too late for him to to get into the, well, not just physical shape, but the match fitness he needs before before Wimbledon. Yeah, I think the conventional wisdom goes out the window with Nick Kyrgios. So, <laughs> um, you would say that, you'd say, and he, he even put on, I saw he put on social media that he, he apologizes, but... You know, you have to be patient with him or, you know, I think he said something. You have to be patient. These kind of matches are not fun, but they're going to, you know, it's uh, it's the uh, process coming back from this injury. So um, I think he's aware that he's not where he wants to be, not where he was. But I think coming into Wimbledon and everyone saying, you know what, he's not ready and him even downplaying it. You know, I'm coming back from injury. I'm not quite right yet. That's a dangerous Nick Kyrgios. That's <laughs> going there with no pressure. Um, if his mindset is right, where he's saying, "Hey, I got nothing to lose here," I, and really, realistically, he doesn't have the points. I mean, it's so it's such a unique situation where you can be the defending yeah. champion, defending finalist, defending semifinalist, and you don't have those points to defend. Um, so he can go in there and say, "Look, I got no points to defend. I all I all I am, I'm the defending finalist, but I come in here with his, you know, with zero points uh, coming off the uh, coming off the computer." So. I can go out here and play free and see how it goes. And that could, I still think that's going to be a dangerous Nick Kyrgios at Wimbledon. I, I, I certainly, if I'm a, if I'm a one of the competitors out there, I don't want to see him in my, in my section of the draw. Cause if he's, if he's out there serving bombs, playing, playing loose, playing free, where he obviously loves that. 
hopefully maybe gotten rid of the red hat and he's, you know, back to the all, the all whites that Wimbledon, you know, will, will want him to be wearing. But um, I, I, I'm definitely encouraged and, and looking forward to seeing him back on the court um, at Wimbledon. I think all of us would agree with that. Obviously, Djokovic, as we've said, big favourite for Wimbledon. Is there yeah. anyone else you can see possibly challenging? I mean, Tommy Paul, I thought, had a good win yesterday in Stuttgart over Benjamin Bonzi, the Frenchman. He's, yeah. he's looking good. Look, there's a lot of great players out there. And I think you said it yourself is like Alcaraz looks like he's, you know, he's a level above a lot of other guys, but he's still a level below Djokovic. And that's the way I feel at, at Wimbledon is there's plenty of guys that are that are great players. And I just think Novak is one, maybe even two levels above everyone on the grass. So I don't I don't see anyone challenging him this year at Wimbledon. Um I would take him against the field and I don't know what the, I haven't looked at the odds or anything, but I would take him against the field and, and feel pretty darn confident about it. Yeah, I, mean, I think he, he's at the stage where he's, uh, I know Roger in his, uh, in his prime there uh, to win Wimbledon was a huge favorite over the field. I'm putting Novak in that same spot now, the way he is. It's, I mean, it's maybe not quite Rafa at the French in the middle of his career, but similar. I mean, your favorite Yannick Sinner took him to five sets last year in the quarterfinals. Do you think he, he might he did. have a chance? Um, I mean, he did, and that was an incredible performance. And I think there, you know, that's I think maybe the one. Uh, there might be one match where Novak gets pushed a little bit, um, and that last year was Sinner, who played unbelievable to get there. I thought Sinner's match against Isner before that was amazing i think that got him prepared to be in a kind of a zone returning um and i think he he carried that through to play an unbelievable match against novak but he had to play his best and i just think again three out of five if this is two out of three if the whole slam was two out of three i'd say absolutely there's uh, there's plenty of people that have a chance but three out of five it's just so hard to solve that riddle for three for three full sets um so i just i'm putting him i'm putting him kind of head and shoulders above the field waving my British flag. Andy Murray won a tournament last week. How do you think yeah. he can do? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I love seeing that. Andy Murray is one of my favorites. Um, and such a great guy. So impressive. Another one like Venus, like has no reason to he had nothing to prove. He's a hall first ballot hall of famer, one of the greats of, of our sport, nicest guy, um, dogged competitor. Everyone knows how hard the guy works and how hard how much he wants it. So go out there and win a challenger on grass, prove that he can still play on the grass. He can be a tricky opponent. I've just at this stage in his career, I worry so much about him being able to last seven matches, three out of five sets. So I don't think that's um, a reasonable ask of someone with a metal hip. Uh, but I think I think it's going to be he's going to have so much drama. Murray Mound will be going crazy for I, I hope three or four matches there um, and seeing him do really well in some of those early rounds. I just hope he doesn't get a tough draw. I mean, he, obviously, he won't be seated, so he could get. I mean, he could get Novak first round. I don't want to see that. I want to see him. Uh, get into the draw and play a couple of uh, play a couple of people he can possibly get a win against, and then then maybe come up against a, a higher a higher seed and and see how I can do there. Oh, I'd love to see him. Maybe you know get to the last sixteen or the quarterfinals. That would be just be just yeah. be fantastic. James, thank you again for your unique insights into the world of tennis, and uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Absolutely, um, thanks, Roy. Cheers, James. That's all for this edition of Betting Weekly. Remember, there are four ways to follow us. First is via the podcast provider of your choice. Then there's the Bet Rivers Network on YouTube. 
And on Twitter, you can follow all of our handicappers for a number of sports on at Because We Win. Sean Calvert's currently in Stuttgart giving us live updates from the ATP event there. And it's the same handle at Because We Win on Instagram. Thanks for tuning in. Good luck if you're having a bet and see you all soon. Thanks for listening to Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network. <laughs>